0: It is so good to be with you uh, today. I'm excited to share, but uh, we got a chance to watch that camp promo video. And uh, I mean, I'm the high school pastor and they played a camp video, so I'm gonna talk about it. And so I'm so excited. Uh, Austin was, uh, was the guy student in that video and he talked about it's been three years since we've been able to do camps as we would prefer to do them. And we are so excited that this year we don't just get to do that, but we got to lower the cost for that so that we can remove as many obstacles as possible. And I, like, as of this moment, um, we are like almost at capacity. We're actually reaching out to make sure that we can get some more spots because we want every single student in the Valley that we can to come to camp with us this summer because it's going to be amazing. In fact, we just dropped our kids camp costs as well. So if you've got elementary kids, sign them up. This summer is going to be amazing amazing. Uh, before we get into this message about the Holy Spirit, let's invite him in. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, as, as we uh, bring light to you and to the Trinity and to the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you just work through my words. Lord, make them yours. Help me point people to you, Lord, and let me get out of the way. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. You see, around my house, I tend to forget things. Not a lot of things, but some pretty specific things. I have a decent memory, but there are very specific things that I will always, always forget. It's it's actually these things. These things. Listen, I know, I know what this is for, okay? This is an air filter. It does things, okay? I'm aware of this. It's not just my house air filter. There's also one in your car, apparently. And I forget that on the regular, right? The mechanic says, hey, when's the last time you checked your air filter? And I say, when was the last time I was here? Because you checked it last. I I understand what this does. I understand its point. I understand that it's a good thing to have. I understand that you should check in on it regularly. But that doesn't mean that I actually remember to do so. And here's the thing. I have often treated the Holy Spirit this way too. I have often treated the Holy Spirit this way. I know he's important. I know some things about him. I think if I didn't, my Bible college would probably revoke my degree. I know some things about him. I've been told that he's important. I heard about him as a kid, kind kind of. Kinda. I grew up going to church and my church probably, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they probably taught me about the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's like the air filters or I just in one ear and out the other. But I, I, we didn't really celebrate the Holy Spirit very much. Uh, maybe you grew up in a church tradition similar. When We talked about the Holy Spirit when we kind of explained the Trinity. But that was usually the only time. And maybe, maybe there would be some charismatic people that would come through our church and they would raise their hands in worship and be like, Holy Spirit's doing something over there. And that was, about, that was about it. That was my exposure. As some of you probably came on the other side, right, the other end of the spectrum, where the Holy Spirit was a main part of your worship and your understanding of who God is. Maybe the main part. There's some, some, some churches where it becomes so emphasized that other parts of God and his plan become smaller parts. I know, talking with Dan, before he left for Israel, I asked him, I was like, hey, what was your experience with the Holy Spirit growing up? And he's like, oh, the Holy Spirit wasn't a part of the Trinity where where I grew up. It was Father, Son, and the word of God. And those were the three pillars. And the Holy Spirit was kind of this afterthought. And that resonated a lot with me, because I couldn't put those words to it, but that was kind of my upbringing as well, and I'm not sure what your upbringing was. I don't know where where you're at with the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's interesting to me that especially in America, we get these places where you can have such a belief this way, and such a belief this way, and sometimes the Holy Spirit, not intentionally, becomes this dividing place in the church. And our hope through this series is that we can not look at what our culture says about the Holy Spirit or or what church tradition has said about the Holy Spirit exclusively, but really look at, okay, God, I think you care about what people understand about you, so what have you revealed about yourself? And look at Scripture over the next seven weeks and say, okay, what do we see about the Holy Spirit and the role that he is going to play in our lives? but I think before we can get to his roles, we have to come to an understanding, like some basic truths about the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna give you three today uh, that I think will help us set the stage for then how does he work in our lives. The first basic truth of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not the impersonal spirit of God. He's a full person in the Godhead. Scripture always refers to him as a person. Here's how we know this. He has masculine pronouns. Listen, our culture loves pronouns, so we should understand this. The pronouns help us understand that he is a person, not some entity, not a tool to be used, a person. And the interesting thing about a person is a person requires a relationship. Since he's a person, he requires a relationship to understand and to work with. The second basic, basic truth of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God. This is a major truth. We have to understand this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not a God. We believe in one God who exists in three persons. He is not a lesser God, a demigod, He is not just some spirit, that that he is God. He is a person, and this person is God. You see, in the New Testament, when it refers to the spirit, it will use the word spirit and God interchangeably because the New Testament church understood that the spirit of God was and is God. When we can understand those two, it leads us to the third one. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, and he is omniscient. Three omni-words that simply mean that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and always-present. And if we can understand these three basic truths about the Holy Spirit, then we can begin to understand how he is being used in our lives, and what his purpose is, and how we can interact with him. As I was studying this for this sermon, I began to ask, why do we call him the Holy Spirit? Jesus gets a name, why do we the Holy Spirit? I gave him a name. I didn't go too far down that path, don't worry, we're not gonna give name suggestions. But he, he's called the Holy Spirit simply because there are multiple spirits and spiritual beings mentioned in scripture, but he is different. He is distinct, he is set apart. He is holy. But secondly, we are made better Because of his impact in our life, we are made set apart, we are made distinct, we are made holy because of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can look at the book of Acts or or later chapters in the Gospel of John and think, oh, the Holy Spirit is on the scene. But he showed up a lot earlier than that. Uh, He is eternal, just like the other persons in the Trinity. And so we find him all the way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. See, even in the beginning, the Holy Spirit was present, He was active, and He was working. And we see the Holy Spirit pop in throughout the Old Testament. Uh, I really think of the judges, like Samson. It would say this in, in, in Judges chapter 14 about Samson. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart, apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. Pause. I would need probably more than the Holy Spirit to rip a young goat apart. Like, so Samson was already stronger than me. That's not hard. We understand this. But uh, the Holy Spirit, it says, came upon him in that moment. He ripped the lion apart and then it kind of left him. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. With the, with the judges and some of the prophets where the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And then in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit expand his role. But before we get to that, Jesus himself had a, a bit to say about the Holy Spirit. You see, before he died, he gathered his followers together, he had a meal with them, he gave them some of his last words. And he spent a lot of his last words talking about the Holy Spirit. He actually said that he was going to leave and that someone, remember, a person, someone was going to come and be with them. And he actually said it was better for him to go so that the Holy Spirit could come. If you've ever asked the question, is the Holy Spirit important? I'd point you to John chapter 16, verse seven, where Jesus himself said, actually, he's more important for the long-term health of the church than me staying. I don't know that most Christians, maybe even most churches in America, really live that way. I often have heard the, the, the question asked, okay, if you were doing this task and Jesus was sitting right next to you, what would you do? It's an interesting question, but we don't even have to hypothesize about it. That's the Holy Spirit. He's there. We don't have to imagine Jesus sitting next to you. The Holy Spirit is with us. So if the Holy Spirit is important, and I believe Jesus is a good person to believe, he says he's important, so what does he do? It's hard to to really use him in our life if we don't understand what his role is. It's hard to build a relationship with somebody, honestly, that we don't see face to face. It's hard to build that if we don't understand what the purpose is. We're going to dive deeper into this series and understand different roles. But tonight, we're going to talk about two of those roles. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit liberates us. The Holy Spirit liberates us. The first step to being made holy is to be set free from what has held us back. All of us. All of us have something in our life that at one time or even presently has or is holding us back. A scripture refers to that as sin. You can call it what you want. It's preventing you from being the person that God has created you to be. It's the thing that's nagging. It's the thing that that you can't stop thinking about and you wish you could break the habit, the hurt, the hang up, whatever it might be. And the Holy Spirit wants to liberate us from those things. It's why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Paul would write to the church in Galatia and say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You'll be liberated. You see, on our own, We're gonna keep doing what we've always done, whether it's helping us or not. But when the Holy Spirit takes over, we have the power to break those chains, break those habits, that addiction, and we can find true freedom. And honestly, if you wanna see that in action, I invite you every Monday night. You can see what it looks like when the Holy Spirit breaks and liberates people's lives. Every Monday night at CR, you can see that in action. And it is a joy to watch. See, the Holy Spirit liberates us from the bondage of our old life and invites us into this new opportunity to live set apart for God's purposes. Which leads us to the understanding of the second role. Paul wrote a lot about this. Uh, My favorite passage on it is in uh, his letter to the church in Rome. Starting in chapter eight, verse 11, it says, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead. In case you forgot how powerful he is, just a subtle reminder, raised a guy from, life, from dead to life, it's important. That same power, that same spirit of God lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, you've been liberated. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you have, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Instead, this is huge. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our Spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. See, the The Holy Spirit doesn't just set us free and say, hey, good luck. Saved you from the pit. You're good to go. Touch back if you need something. No, 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 the Holy Spirit frees us and then the Holy Spirit adopts us into the family of God. This is big. This is big. We have a forever family that comes with benefits that no earthly family could ever provide. I think about this, this verse at the end of Matthew's gospel. He's given like the final words to his, his disciples. And one of his final words is, and I will be with you until the very end of the age. And right after he said that, he dipped. See ya. I remember being a kid thinking, seems like a lie. Like he didn't even wait to lie. Like he did it right there. Like he said he wasn't gonna leave and then like not even a day passed and he left. But the thing that he understood was that he was going to leave. He had already told his disciples this but they didn't catch it because they didn't catch most stuff. Just like we don't catch most stuff but then we just like throw shade on the, the disciples. We're the same thing, right? But he said he wasn't gonna leave and it was true. Why? Because the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit was the the answer to the promise that I will never leave you. It's possible because of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit adopts us, it means he's never leaving. Recently, I had some friends who adopted just the cutest little girl from South Africa. Uh, Just just the cutest little girl. And they went on a multi-year journey uh, to 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 for God to unite their family. And and I remember, you know, just getting updates and the moment that they got to meet their daughter for the first time, it made all of the long tedious work to get there completely worth it. And it's interesting because it wasn't just like a happily ever after story. If you've ever adopted a child, then you know firsthand that sometimes becoming a family is just as hard, if not harder, than the process of getting to be a family. And they began this process of of bringing this girl into their family. And for the parents, my, my friends, from that moment, the moment they found out that this girl was being in their family, their minds were set. They were committed. This girl was going to be theirs forever. There was nothing that she was going to do that was going to stop them from being their parents and her from being a part of their family. This little girl, though, wasn't so sure. Right? The parents were resolute. But this little three year old girl, man she had seen some things. And it it wasn't as easy for her to believe in the beginning that they weren't going to leave. Her family hadn't been able to provide for her, which led her to this situation. And and her new family was excited to have her and excited to, to build this family, but she struggled with that at first. In fact, my friend would say that there was there was never a moment where the mom could leave her without her screaming and crying. She was conditioned that that when people left, they didn't come back. So her understanding, even though they were saying all the right things and really doing the right things, she was thinking, no, if, if she leaves this room, she's probably not coming back. To the point where the mom would get up in the night just to go to the bathroom and the little girl was sleeping uh, on her bed in their room and she would start screaming and crying and she's like, I'm just going to the bathroom because she, she, she just was afraid that this, they, would, they would leave. And I think sometimes we treat our adoption into God's family kind of the same way. Listen, God has said he's never gonna leave you that, that nothing you can do can change his love for you. And listen, we believe that. Like, I, like, we're not bad people, we believe that. But then when the feeling starts to slip and the baptism waters dry off a little bit and we just think like maybe it doesn't feel the same and we're like, no, 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 God, you've abandoned me and you scream out like a three-year-old girl just waiting for God to save us. You see, if the Holy Spirit is some impersonal force. This, this, then there's no relationship to build. Just a tool to be used, and you, I don't know if you can count on it, like, is it a good tool, or is it like from Walmart? You know, like, I just don't know. But this family, they, in, in a pretty short time, began to prove to their daughter, consistently, day after day, moment after moment, proving, hey, I'm here. I'm gonna be with you, I'm always gonna be here. See, when the Holy Spirit, as we've learned, is a person that deeply wants to build a relationship with you, one built on trust and a commitment to never leave you. The person of Jesus, so it walked around in the first century, he wasn't omnipresent, he wasn't. In fact, there are stories in the Gospels where people are angry at Jesus because he wasn't there to save their brother. Or he wasn't there to save their child. Like, if you just would have been here, then, then maybe, ju- if you just, and Jesus performed miracles and you know, things like that, but he wasn't omnipresent. See, Jesus knew that if he left, the Holy Spirit could come and adopt everyone who believes in him as his own children and never leave them. And he knew that the God that created all things then could be with each of us every single day, in every single moment, even today, even where you are. It was 2007 when I first really understood this. I had just completed my first year of college and God had directed me to spend my summer that year in Poland. I don't know why. Um, I didn't know people in Poland. I had never left uh, the country. Um, I had never even been to the ocean at this point in my life because I grew up in Oklahoma and there is not water there. And so, um, so I told my parents, "Hey, I'm going to go to Poland for 12 weeks. Hope you don't mind." They did. I went anyway, and and I went to Poland. I don't know Polish. I was there for 12 weeks. Still didn't know Polish. Uh, It has been 15 years since then, and I don't know Polish, okay? This is important to the story, okay? Not just bragging. So um, we were working with uh, these uh, missionaries from Canada who had created a coffee shop and an English school, and so that was their ministry, where they would get people to come into their, um, their school, and they would teach them English, but their curriculum was the Bible, and so they would tell them the stories of the Bible, and the Polish government was like, please teach our people English. And they were like, done. But I'm also gonna teach them about Jesus. And, uh, and so they did, and it was an awesome uh, summer uh, that I got to spend there. And they partnered with this uh, Polish church planner. His name was Adam. And Adam was uh, this awesome guy. And Adam knew as many words in English As I knew in Polish, okay? So you can remember what I said earlier and know that that is not many, okay? Uh, And so, um, but Adam loved showing off his hometown. And so he wanted to take me and my teammates uh, to uh, around town and show them all all the sites. And so we had been planning this thing, we had to cancel a couple times because we couldn't talk to Adam without a translator. And we had this translator, her name was Dorota, and she was the greatest. But Dorota was finishing her PhD in Polish literature and apparently kept having assignments. And it was hard to blame her because that sounded important. Um, But it was starting to get annoying. So we finally, we, we all agreed on a date and a time and he was gonna take us around to all the spots. And 30 minutes before Adam was picking us up, we got a call from Dorota and said, hey, forgot that I have this assignment due at midnight, won't be there, sorry. Like, we had canceled on this guy, like, four or five times. Like, this was, like, we could not. So our team huddled together, and like, what are we gonna do? This is gonna be the most awkward night of our lives. And so, we just decided we have to go. We have to go. We cannot cancel any more times. And we were just like, Lord, you gotta, you know, you gotta show up, because this is gonna be weird. I remember getting home that night. We saw all the different sites, went to all these different places, ate the best kielbasa of my entire life that was cooked over an, an emptied trash can. So there you go. Um, and we got back to our apartment that night and we were walking up the stairs and one of our teammates was sick so she couldn't go with us and she was like, hey, how was the night? And We were like, oh, it was so awesome. Adam was telling us about this spot and he told us the history about this spot and he told us this and this and then we were telling this and we showed him this story and we talked about this and, and it was like we were mid-story and one of us goes, Wait, what did he say? And it was at that moment when we realized that language was not a barrier for us that night. But he didn't suddenly learn English, and I certainly did not suddenly learn Polish. And it was in that moment I was like, man, I'm really glad that the Holy Spirit is always with me, because in that moment we needed it. I never once again talked to Adam without a translator because we didn't understand each other. But that night, the night in Poland that I will probably never forget, the Holy Spirit knew he needed to make himself known. And it was pretty awesome. See, Romans tells us that because we are adopted by the Holy Spirit, we get all the perks of being children of God. We get an inheritance to look forward to. We get his presence with us always. And what the judges and the prophets got on occasion, we get with us all the time, whether we realize it or we don't. And that same power that raised Jesus to life, we get that. That's a perk of being a child of God. Some of you, some of you have been waiting to find that family, to find that place, to find something to someone that won't leave you. Maybe your life has been filled with person after person who is checked out. But I promise you, there is a person, a God who created everything, even you, that will not leave you. See, the way to that family is to accept Jesus. When you receive Jesus as your Lord, you get the Holy Spirit. You get him. You get his presence and you get the inheritance that he promises. And some of you, You've been a part of that family for a while, maybe a long time, and yet you're still kind of living as though you don't believe that your new family and the Holy Spirit are actually still with you. But Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, if you believe in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit has adopted you. High school students. That's past tense, right? You're a validatorian. You understand that, right? It's not future, it's past. Has adopted, right? It's a completed act. He's not about to adopt you. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit has adopted you, which means you are a child of God in that moment, not when you get up to it, not when you get around to it, not when you're good enough. The Holy Spirit has done it. And you are now a child of God. And if that's true, then shouldn't we live as a child of God? Confidently knowing that our Abba Father, the most intimate way that a Hebrew person could reference God or their own father, Abba, knowing that he's never gonna leave you, a few weeks after my friends had brought their daughter home from South Africa, they brought her to our life group for the first time. And they had prepped us. Hey, listen, it might be awkward, but for the first few weeks, we're going to keep her with us so, so that you know, she's not overwhelmed and we're going to get into it. And, you know, and they'd been working with her to show, hey, we're not going to leave, everything's safe, we're not going to take you to, to unsafe places, it's fine. But they were really worried about it they get to our house. It was, at, it was at our house that night, a place she'd never been. And as soon as she stepped foot in our house, whoosh, downstairs, into the playroom, she was ready to go as if she had lived there at some point in her life. Wow. You see, by that point, she understood where her parents were. She understood where her family was and that she was in a place that she could be safe and trust. So she ran free just doing what her siblings did living as a child of this family. So what are you waiting for? Run free. The Spirit has set you free and adopted you into the family, and you can be confident that the Holy Spirit will be with you. So this week, I hope you wrestle, as we begin this series, where we wrestle with the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. And the fact that he is adopting you and liberating you. And some of you may be ready to accept that gift for the first time. Maybe you're online and you're watching. I, I put it in the chat because we would love to reach out to you. What are the next steps when you're ready to accept that gift? If you're in the room, man, when we, when we sing, head to the cross. To receive Jesus, and receive the Holy Spirit, but if you have, maybe you have received that at some point in your life, are you living in that freedom, in the freedom of being a child of the Almighty God? Because when you can accept it, and you begin to live it out, you start to live in the Spirit. And as we're gonna learn in this series, when you start to live in the Spirit, your effectiveness, For the kingdom, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your goodness, your self-control starts to increase. And your impact for the kingdom is unlimited. The Holy Spirit has set you free. So live as a child of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. And we thank you for the incredible gift that the Holy Spirit is. Lord, I pray that in this moment, Lord, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, doesn't, hasn't accepted you, is waiting to find that forever family, Lord, would you you speak into their heart, speak into their life? Lord, for those of us that have done it before but are feeling distant, Lord, would you remind them there's nothing that we have to do to be a child of God, that you have called us your child if we have accepted you. Lord, give us the confidence knowing that you are with us. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.